How's everybody doing? This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. And like the intro said, you are listening to the award-winning Blue Jay Boys show. I got Sackman Alex Sackley right in front of me. Josh Diaz, Senor Diaz, is out again this week. We wish him all the best. He's not feeling the best. So, Josh, I know you're listening. Love you, buddy. We'll get you back next week. This week, we got a great show for you guys today. Last week when we uh, did our show, we talked about the NFC most surprising, most uh, disappointing players for every team. This week, we're going to go hop right on over into the AFC and go over, go over our most surprising, most disappointing players for every AFC team. To start off the, out the show, we wanted to talk about the Chicago Bears, though. To all you Food Battle fans, this week we are going to postpone last week's uh, post until next week. We had some difficulties with getting the food this week, so we're going to better prepare it next week. Come back, have a great uh, episode for you guys, maybe even something a little special, maybe a double battle. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, But until then, we'll uh, keep the post up, keep signing up for the post, trying to see if you can win the $20. All right, folks. Let's start off talking about our Chicago Bears grabbing their second win of the season against the Las Vegas Raiders. Sackley, what did you like about this game? I mean, really everything. This was the best, by far the best performance other than that Patriots game of the Matt Eberflus era. I mean, you start out, obviously, Fields was out. Tyson Bajant was very efficient, didn't put the ball in harm's way, didn't take, only took one sack. I mean, that was great. I mean, yeah, he didn't have a lot of yards, averaged 5.6 yards per pass, 162 yards, but hey, 21 out of 29, over 70% completion percentage, one touchdown, no interceptions. I mean, he led a lot of long 13, 14 plays, scoring drives. I mean, come out of the second half, you take it 13 plays, 88 yards like that, that was tremendous. And then you got Diet Derrick Henry, Deontay Foreman, <laughs> 124 total yards, three touchdowns, was catching the ball, was our third leading receiver. I mean, that. And then our defense, who we have to give Matt Eberfuss credit. First off, he hasn't lost the locker room somehow, some way, after 14 straight losses. And ever since he's been calling this defense, the last three games, they're averaging like 15 points a game. Like, yeah, we're going against Hoyer, but they didn't do anything that entire game. They still have Devontae. They still have Josh Jacobs. They have an experienced quarterback in Hoyer, but they shut him down. We had three takeaways, a sack. I mean, that's Bears football. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting when you were talking about um, that Eberflus hasn't lost the locker room yet. Is there anybody in the locker room, and I, I have one name in mind, that you do feel like he's lost so far this season? I feel like he never had Nate Davis to begin with. He, I guess him and Nate Davis had to get dinner a couple times during camp, so... But, I mean, I really don't feel like he's lost. The, like, everyone was, like, even on the sideline, they were all, like, hugging him and, like, they were all listening. Like, if they would have quit on him, it would have been more evident. I mean, they're coming out. They're playing hard every game. Like, they should have won last game. Mm-hmm. A couple of bad plays here and they they win that game. We're three-game win streak. I, I, I'm impressed. I mean, he's been calling this defense pretty well. I mean, the last three games, they look good. They played very – they shut down the run once again. Only 39 yards. They allowed 45 the week prior against Minnesota. We ran the ball decently well against the 49ers last night. He's calling, he's blitzing more, he's more aggressive, he has a feel for his guys now. I mean, we have to give him some credit. Obviously, he's not been good. Really not been good at all. But last pre, three, um, three games has been pretty good. Do you think Justin Fields is bought in or ever was bought in? Yeah, I think he's still bought in. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, uh, I don't. I wouldn't. I think Wait, wavering a little bit. I think he is more so bought into Eberflus than he is Getzy, because mm-hmm. Getzy just 
doesn't want to work with him at all. I mean, he Getsy actually did a good job this game with the game plan they put together for Bajan because he said, screw it, I'm keeping my tight ends in, and I'm having them just stay on Max Crosby. Cole Komet didn't have a single target. The only tight end that did have a target was Mercedes Lewis, and he was a, it was kind of a play where he blocked, then released. One catch, 16 yards. I do like that because Max, we saw Max Crosby wreck two straight games beforehand. So their game plan was to just stifle him because he's their own one main guy. Get the ball out of his hands, easy throws. I like this. I don't know why he can't really do that for fields as much, but I don't know. Why don't you think he does it for fields? <sighs> well, fields, it also doesn't help that fields likes to hold on to the ball. <clears throat> That, and then Fields can run as well, so he's always going to hold it longer because he can then make something happen. I don't know. Him and Fields have just never really... I don't think Fields is a great fit for his offense that he wants to run, and then Getze doesn't want to change his offense for the guys that he has, and then if, when he does, he just turns Fields into like a running back like that three weeks he did last year when he, it was getting kind of excessive about mm-hmm. the QB runs. He can never find that good mixture. And with him, the week... Against the Vikings, terrible game plan. Against the most blitz-heavy defense we've seen in years. And then, and then against this team, which has arguably one of the best defensive ends in the league, eighth-ranked passing defense, quick passes, easy passes, underneath, you know, play action, run the ball. That's what we did best. I mean, 173 yards, five yards to carry, two touchdowns, including the, the kneel downs. I don't know. He's just – I just I think him and Fields never really – Kind of just gelled. Mm-hmm. Um, well, looking into the future of this, you know, Chicago Bears franchise, um, considering or taking into account that there's a possibility that the Bears keep Chicago or uh, keep Justin Fields as their starting quarterback for the next few seasons, still, um, do you see Justin Fields' inability to fit into this offensive game plan as like a red flag for you at all if they were to change offensive coordinators, or do you think this is something that it's Luke Getze? doing what he wants to do versus some other offensive coordinator that may come in and be like, okay, I'm just going to do what I think will work for this offense? Or do you think more offensive coordinators are going to be like Luke Getze where they're like, I want to run my stuff and you have to fit? I think the problem's been more so Getze. I think if we just got a more creative guy, like say we went on, we got we got a Mike McDaniel, who basically has tailored that whole thing around Tua and has done everything to make Tua successful. We got a guy like that as opposed to like a, I want to do this and we're going to call this. And if you don't like it, you can sit on the bench type of guy like Getsy. But yeah. And who knows? At this point, if Tyson Bajant goes and balls out against the Chargers, we might stick with Tyson Bajant. <laughs> do you think Tyson Bajant is more than a four-game replacement for now? As of right now, no. Because we've only seen him for a game and a half. But I like what I've seen in a game and a half. I mean, a year ago on Sunday, he was beating Westchester University. So he went from Westchester University to the Raiders. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was the first D2 quarterback to start since 2010. First quarterback, undrafted D2 quarterback to win his first start in uh, more than 53 years. I saw that stat. I I want to see more of him. And... All reports are saying Fields is going to miss this game with this targeted return game against the Saints, which I personally, I like that. I don't want him to go against Mack and Bosa with a messed up thumb. And I want to see more from Bajan because I want to see what we have in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of want to talk a little more about Tyson. Let's talk about some positives here For with sure. our sterling young rookie quarterback <laughs> from the hills of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you, this is like 
right now, this is the best underdog story in the NFL. Like, this is like, this makes my heart happy, my cold, icy heart. <laughs> like, he's, you know, D2. He was in a small town in West Virginia. He didn't want to transfer high schools because you know, he loved this town. So, you know, he went D2 and then did a fifth year because he was able to because of COVID. And, uh, you know, he probably wasn't even on full scholarship with it being D2. And he had a nice quote saying, don't ever let anyone stop you from getting to what you want to do. And then, you know, it goes out, plays a good game, gets the game ball. He's very humble. He's kind of a funny-looking guy with tatted sleeves. <laughs> you don't see a lot of quarterbacks with that. I'm just, I was very impressed. Like, I'm not jumping all the way onto the gravy train here, but I was very impressed with how he played. Mm-hmm. For a first start against a solid 13th-ranked defense, 8th-ranked passing defense, he looked good. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was happy with how he played. And we need something like this because, you know, we get tired of hearing all these guys making, you know, 40, 50 million. Then we got some guys just, he's so excited to be here. And it's just kind of a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, wa- watching this guy play, and like you said, it, was, it wasn't very exciting. It wasn't the most fun game, but he was efficient. He took care of the ball. It's something you see in a guy like Brock Purdy who has a lot of a very similar story where he's the last pick of the draft. He's very humble coming in, takes over uh, – offense that wasn't really meant for him but still like fits into where he needs to fit in and you look over at Tyson Bajan where he's doing the same kind of thing where this offense probably wasn't made for him it definitely wasn't made for him but he's fitting in where he needs to and he's doing what he needs to do while also still being extremely humble about it and I think that takes a lot of character and something that NFL players need to be successful in the NFL Um, character is huge for a lot of guys and I think a lot of the best players in the league especially recently, are a little low on character. Yeah, a lot of guys we've had, yeah. I mean, just look at the running back market right now, if we're being honest. But um, I think a lot of guys end their careers early because of that, because they're not able to be humble and take the backseat for a little bit, or for a long time, in the case of Tyson Bajan, his whole entire life he's been taking the backseat. And I think later in his career, that's going to help his career last longer teams are going to keep eyeing that and picking up on that and giving him jobs in the future so even if he's not an all pro caliber starter ever again if he doesn't start another game in the league he's going to have opportunities because of what's happened this past week by itself and i think that's well deserved for a guy like that and i think he deserves all the flowers that he's getting yeah a hundred percent so then then going back to the guys you know have been slept on me with dante foreman guy that was inactive for what four straight games then out of necessity, we had to activate him. I've always liked him. I've been a fan of him since he was at Texas. I mean, he was a Doak Walker Award winner at Texas, the best running back in the nation. He got that award. He was drafted in the third round of the Texans. He tore his Achilles early in his career. He had a couple injuries there. They cut him. He was a practice squatter guy up until, like, 2021. And Derrick Henry got hurt. You know, he broke his foot. So then he kind of resurfaced. And I was like, whoa, okay, 500 yards, last seven games. He looks like, when you look at him, he looks like Derrick Henry. When you watch him run, he looks like Derrick Henry, just a little, obviously not as good. I see he's like 80% of Derrick Henry. You give him another couple inches, another 10 pounds, a shave of 0.1, 0.15 off his 40, that's Derrick Henry. And then he goes to Carolina last year. They trade McCaffrey, so he starts the last nine games. He has 1,000 yards in nine games and makes almost carries him to the division title. He made Sam Darnold look good with how dominant that run game was. And like I've always, I've always thought he's like better than what people think he is. And then this game, I mean, six yards of carry, two touchdowns, thirty-one receiving yards, and a touchdown. He's breaking tackles left and right. He's carrying guys. Uh, he doesn't need to be doing this hurdling nonsense. But I think like he could be our best running back. 
what, what keeps him from being that number one guy when everybody's healthy? I mean, Herbert is probably the better overall player. He's a little faster, but like we're in Chicago. It's cold out. We need power running. Our offensive line isn't the greatest, so we need a guy that can break tackles. That's what he does. He gets that extra yard. He leans forward. He gets it. He's a big, he's 240 pounds. And then this Darrington Evans fellow we got off the practice squad back from last year when we were had the guy said try hard <laughs> playing. Yeah, not impressed, but he's fast. I mean, he runs hard. I mean, he can catch, catch for six yards. I just like I like these little like we got what we got going on here with like we got the no name guys and they're playing hard. It's like the scab bears from like the eighties. <laughs> I I just really like what we're doing right now. I mean, we ran for one hundred and seventy three yards on a solid defensive front. You know, we look. That's good. Mm-hmm. We ran the ball well against the Vikings, ran the ball well against the Commanders, Broncos. We keep that up, getting that back to being that 150, 180-yard rushing team every game. That's going to be great. Because our passing game is much better than it was last year. Now the run game suffered. We get the run game back, okay, Justin Fields is going to have another basically weapon that he has at his disposal to you know, help him. Mm-hmm. I, we need to continue running the ball because it helps that we have Tevin back. He's a tank. 173 snaps. He's he's had one penalty and allowed one pressure. No sacks. Looks great. I think Darnell Wright looks like a completely different player in the run game versus the pass game. Like he looks like Jekyll and Hyde when he's out there. Yeah, I mean, but he played he played well this game. He went against Max Crosby all 60 minutes. He held his own. Mm-hmm. He did well. I was impressed with him. I was happy with Darn. Darnell's taking. He's getting there. There's going to be a process. You know, he's kind of too fat, but he's going to get there. He's going to be a beast when it's all said that he's going to be like that dog right tackle for 10 years, seven years. Or, or Rob Havenstein. Yes. Or like a Ram check or uh-huh. like a, just a designated, like Anthony Davis back in the yeah. day for the 49ers. That's what he's going to be. He's going to be good. I like him. He's working. He's, you can see him. He's working. Yeah. Borum on the other side. I'm kind of worried about Braxton Jones at this point. He's been out five weeks with a neck injury. So I think we need to draft a left tackle with our first round pick. Or that and uh, probably in our D lineman. Because I don't really want to draft a quarterback this year. Well, especially after what we've seen these past two weeks with uh, who's supposed to be the number yeah, one overall pick. Relegation. <laughs> FCS just, player now. Just him. Just him. <laughs> Actually, the rest of the USC can be relegated too because that team's nothing without him, obviously. Yeah, they're, they're trash. I'd rather just stick with him at this point. Mm-hmm. Either Fields or Bajent. Mm-hmm. The, the Bajent of chaos. <laughs> Um, but yeah, then the defense, I mean, tw- they allowed back-to-back weeks only allowing 12 points. Really, it was only six. It was a garbage touchdown. We had, it happened, a Jalen Johnson interception, but not just one. He had two. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> he got two interceptions the first time in almost two and a half years. And you know what the first thing he said was? I deserve to be paid. <laughs> Not anything else. <laughs> Give me my money now. But you know what, Jalen? You kind of earned it. That was great. I mean, touch. Uh, obviously, the 33-yard pick six. And then the next drive, he had one right after that. So it was kind of really nice. Mm-hmm. But that was great. I mean, that was the first play I saw when I got back from the pumpkin <laughs> patch. So I was like, yeah. Sackley's going to have to go pumpkin picking every Sunday now. <laughs> yep. Let me search you for the great pumpkin like Charlie Brown. <laughs> oh. Also, shout out Justin Jones at another sack, baby. Come on. Good job, Justin. <laughs> I've been your harshest critic, but good job, man. You had a good game against the Vikings. Three tackles, one sack, a TFL, pass defense, QB, everything. Good for you, man. 
You're having a great season. It's Sterling, 12 <laughs> tackles and one sack. You're a dog. <laughs> That's better than some people. You're totally league. better than Jalen Carter. <laughs> You're so much better than Jalen Carter. <laughs> it's not even funny. Justin Jones gets two more sacks next weekend. If he gets two plus sacks, you have to write him an apology letter. Yeah. If he, if... <laughs> <laughs> Do not. Yeah, I mean, Justin Jones, you're fantastic. I love you. Totally worth being a third-round pick in 2018, but yeah. But Brisker, nine total tackles. Edmonds had a solid game. Uh, You know, TJ Edwards, only two tackles, but he's been up there in the league leading tacklers. Sanborn had a monster TFL. Jeff Joniak was, like, really excited. I didn't see it, but it it must have been fantastic because Joniak, like, he he was happy, <laughs> so I will take it. Mm-hmm. Um, what what I get out of this defense is that it's not the worst defense in the league. Um, watching no. these past couple games, the Washington game, there's definitely spots where this team looks like it can compete on defense. Yeah. My thing is though, it's also definitely still a bottom five defense in the league. I think in terms They're, of talent, yeah. I. I mean, I think even play-wise, like this Raiders team, yes, they still have Devontae, yes, they still have Josh Jacobs. They didn't have a quarterback. They don't have an offensive line. Yeah. They don't have anybody else besides those two but guys. But, hey, we we played like that. We had three picks. Well, Tremaine Evans had a pick, right? Uh, yes, he did. Yep. All right, Tremaine. I've been a harsh critic of you. Good job, buddy. Your hair looks very nice. <laughs> but um, still, I don't, I, it's, there's still a lot missing from this defense, and – I, I yeah, again, I'm still a, a very harsh critic about the two middle linebacker signings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we it's well known we made the wrong decision. We still have no D tackles and we still don't have a defensive end, but somehow we can kind of stop the run on most weeks. So I don't know how we're doing that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we can continue doing it. Um, you know, I think again. I I don't know what I'm expecting to see the rest of the season based on what we've seen like these past four weeks. It's been a very, very weird four weeks recently. I, don't, I, I, I still don't know what we are. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I really I don't know what we're going to do with the trade deadline either. Mm-hmm. Are we going to sell? Are we going to buy? I don't know. It's something completely different every day. What do you think would be your top two sell targets and your top two buy targets? Buy, from what I've been hearing, is that we can, we can get one of either Chase Young or Montrez Sweat. Commanders are going to trade one of them. We've been linked to both of them a lot. So I guess one of those guys, uh, I don't think, the other guy we've been linked to is Daniil Hunter, but I don't think they'd trade us because we're in the division, and I now the Vikings really look a lot better. Daniel Hunter either. Yeah. Then Sell, yeah, it'd be Jalen Johnson and uh, Eddie Jackson. Mm-hmm. What do you think Jalen Johnson or and Eddie Jackson Ngakwe. are doing Johnson can get you a second-round pick. Jackson will get you a fourth rounder, and Ngakwe will get you this gator light <laughs> that I got from the roost. Anything to get him off the roost. Yeah. Which that, makes me sad. I was so excited about the Ngakwe signing. I was happy just because I thought it was like, oh, we have a legitimate defensive end pass rusher now. Yeah, a sack guy. We got a sack didn't guy. He, he has like two sacks. And they're both coverage sacks. Uh-huh. They're not even like impressive sacks. They're like more like a testicle. <laughs> Good one, sack. Yeah. It's not a sack. It's only like a testicle. <laughs> that one's not going in our reel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
It's a little past 820 here. Let's move on to our AFC breakdown of our most surprising and most disappointing players of the season. Let's start off with the AFC North. We started with the NFC North last week. Let's start with the Cleveland Browns. Who? Let's start with their most di- uh, disappointing. Who's their most disappointing player so far? The man that likes to get massaged, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> um, what about him has just been so disappointing? Well, first off, he's missing all these games now. Uh, he is a quite turnover issue. I mean, he only threw five passes in this game. One of them was an interception. The other four were incomplete. Uh, I mean, he had, he basically cost them the game on that Monday night game against the Steelers with two fumbles and two picks. There, two of them led to uh, defensive touchdowns. Really wasn't that much in week one. Week three played great, and then he's been hurt ever since. So he's just not healthy, and then when he is healthy, he's turning the ball over. Do you think there's any chance Texans' Deshaun Watson comes back? He looked like that week three, but now that he's hurt and he's got this and that and Stefanski and him aren't on the same page and he doesn't like Stefanski, I don't see it coming back for a long time. I don't really see him coming back ever at this point. Mm -hmm. I think that that player's dead. You take two years off, it's not going to happen. I mean, the worst thing he ever did was taking that 2021 season off. He should have never did that. Mm Mm-hmm. He he would have gotten traded at like the trade deadline if he would play. Then he would have gone to a better team. He should have never did that. And then he got suspended for the eleven games for the stuff that he did, and yeah, he should he should have never done that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he was trying to do by doing that. The the other thing with Deshaun Watson that's been coming out a little bit too, and uh, this quote's from Fox Sports Radio. Says it's from Brady Quinn too, who Brady Quinn has major beef with Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson's quarterback coach. I don't know if you've seen that on Twitter. But they like, they fight with each other on Twitter. I don't go down all those the time. rabbit holes. <laughs> it's fun to go down those rabbit holes sometimes. Yeah. But um, on Fox Sports Radio, Brady Quinn came out and said everyone with a medical opinion has cleared Deshaun Watson. Um, in an earlier post from Fox Sports Radio, they said that Deshaun Watson is expected to miss four to six weeks um, with. Or this is from Adam Shafter. My bad. Four to six weeks with a subscapularis uh, ro- uh, within his rotator cuff. It's like some sleep. like Mark Helfold stuff. Exactly, something that like you can't really see, but like they say it's there. Um, so Brady Quinn is coming out and saying that this is basically similar to a kid getting a trust fund, and that he's yeah throwing a fit, throwing a tantrum because something's not going his way. And his way of doing that is by sitting out with an injury. He doesn't like Stefanski. He doesn't like that offense. If I were Stefanski, I don't even want to deal with this guy. I don't like him. He made my offseason the year before not fun. Mm -hmm. He's obviously not easy to deal with now. That little young Deshaun that was just smiling, that's gone. I don't know what devious monster this is now. If I were him this last offseason, I would have just got Bill O'Brien to come in and I just, here, I'll take the credit for us winning. And you go do your Houston stuff with him. That's what I would have done. I mean, this offense is the most quarterback-friendly offense you can find. We have a good. They still have a good run game even without Nick Chubb. The offensive line is good. They have weapons. They play action. They roll them out. They do whatever it takes to make it easier for him. And he can't do it. I don't know how you could dislike this offense as a quarterback. This is one of the most quarterback-friendly offenses there is. It's not in Houston where he has to run 10 times a game, and improv, and do everything by his own. It's, okay, this guy's going to be open, we're going to run it, you're going to be protected, just deliver, find the open guy. There will be guys open, because we're going to scheme them open for you. And he doesn't like this offense. I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And, 
He is Jimmy has Jimmy Haslam loves him for whatever reason. Still, I mean, he, he they gave him the contract. That was enough to show that they loved him, and that they were not going to go back on that decision I mean, ever. This team with PJ Walker is like a playoff caliber team. PJ Walker, mm-hmm. like PJ Walker, like he's not good. Like he career wise, he's got like six touchdown passes and thirteen interceptions. It's Caleb Haney numbers. <laughs> I mean, this game, 15 to 32 for 178 yards and a pick. And it was a better game than Deshaun Watson's Like, had. Deshaun's one for five, five yards and a pick. Like, if I'm, if I'm them, I might go out and get, like, a Trubisky or, like, a just a solid backup. Like, a, get, go get Brissett. Yeah. If they're not going to, like, if they had Gardner Minshew, this team would be, like, the one seed right now. Shoot, I'd give Carson Wentz a still free agent sitting out there somewhere. Give him a yeah, shot. Yeah, at this point, like, if Deshaun isn't up for it, I'm going to go win games without and trade you. Talk about, you know, a guy who's a little more humble, who's basically the same, like, I would put him in the same style of play as Deshaun Watson, where you gotta you can roll him out. Um, he's going to take shots downfield. Like, you can do that with Carson Wentz, and he's not going to be an a-hole. That's, yeah. that's the biggest thing. Yeah. And I think this that's all this team needs. I think they're one quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. Like, uh, if I were Deshaun Watson, I'd be so happy right now. Mm-hmm. It's like, if I just play okay, we're going to be in the running for the Super Bowl, and I'm going to get all the credit because mm-hmm. the quarterbacks get all the credit always. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't even have to do too much because we have a great run game, and we have a lot of weapons and, like, an offensive line that's really good and physical. That's young still. That's going to be around for the next five years. All I got to do is just look okay and, like, Scramble for a first down and look cool. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to do that. Um, it, it's interesting that you brought up Mr. Biscay. I wanted to ask you about that. Looking back at that draft, a lot of people, obviously, the biggest miss for people is that the Bears passed on Patrick Mahomes for Mr. Biscay. They also passed on Desha- Deshaun Watson for Mr. Biscay. Taking into account those Texans years, looking at where they're both at now, are you taking Deshaun Watson's still? No. I'm taking out Trubisky. I don't blame that. Yeah, he wasn't. He's not as talented as Sean Watson, but that we saw what happened. That wasn't. That was like only thirty percent his fault. It really wasn't his fault. Cause the one year he played bad, he had a torn shoulder. So I don't know what we. And he had a thirty-first ranked run game and the thirty-second ranked tight end group with led by Tim Holtz and Jesper Horstead <laughs> and one receiver and. Taylor Gabriel, who had, like, stage four CTE that year because he had three concussions that year. <laughs> Anthony Miller, whose shoulder is not even as strong as this computer mouse. <laughs> and we were mad at him for not performing well. He led us to two playoff appearances in three years with no offensive line and one receiver, who's terrible now. Ever since ever since Trubisky left, he's been terrible. Look at Allen Robinson. Ever since he's been gone from Trubisky, he's been terrible. That's... Worth noting. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I'd still take Trubisky. Because, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, Deshaun Watson would, would have been great, but then he would have been out of the league for two years. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about some surprising players for the Cleveland Browns. We mentioned P.J. Walker. Um, his is more just kind of him stepping up. And yeah, he's the best to... Bears quarterback this year. <laughs> Which is very sad to say since he's sitting here with no touchdowns and three interceptions. Um, he still hasn't thrown a touchdown pass yet? Nope. He's, he's, ter- <laughs> he, he's completing 40% of his passes. Like, he's terrible. 
He's actually at exactly 50%. Like, he's 33 for 66. Like, and he's, season. like, such a funny-looking guy because he's, like, short. Like, he looks like, like Willie Beamum from the the <laughs> Any Given Sunday. Like, he's got that look. He's got, like, the gap teeth. He wears, like, the bandana sometimes. Like, whenever there's, like, a like a football movie and it's, like, we need, like, one of those type of dudes to be on our, like, the kind of guy that, like, you know, likes to go to the, that, he looks like that. Like, he's just like a, like, he looks like an actor. Yeah. That's what PJ Walker looks like. He looks like it, because he's small. He's a small guy. He's, like, 5'11". He's lifted at 5'11", so he's 5'10". He's 215, so he's like 195. Mm-hmm. Like, he looks like, yeah, that's, about, that's like my cousin Tom over there. <laughs> um, looks but, like an uncle. <laughs> the, the main person I wanted to talk about, and this one isn't as surprising as much as it's as impressive, is Miles Garrett. He and looks fantastic. The impact he has had on this team and this <sighs> defense. Um, he looks like an alien out there. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at his stats right here, and this is compared to T.J. Watt, who's been fantastic this season as well. He's been one of the best pass rushers in the league again, probably going to be in the defense play of the year conversation again. Miles um, Garrett still has two more hurries on him. They have the same amount of sacks. Miles uh, Garrett has one more fumble. Miles uh, Garrett, the most impressive stat to me, though, is his win rate on pass rushes is at 29%. He wins like every time. T.J. Watt's is at 13.4%. T.J. Watt is one of the best pass T.J. Watt might end his career as one of the greatest pass rushers of all time. Miles Garrett is more than double him at being able to win on pass rushes. That's how insane of a season he's been having this year. Yeah, he always gets forgotten about because he's in Cleveland. He's had part of this year back to back seasons with 16 sacks. Like, that's a lot of sacks. I mean, he's just like, you look at him, you watch him play, it's like, like what? Like, he looks like an alien out there. Like, he's so big and muscular, and like, he's that big, but can move like he's like, Six one two ten, like um, it's nuts. The chances of him winning MVP are probably zero, uh, just considering the way that people vote. Yeah. If you had a vote, where would you put him in your MVP ranking so far this season? So right now, I would have Mar, Kirk Cousins, because he's carrying that team. Come on, my back. That's what he's doing. <laughs> and then I'd probably, you know. Being with now that they've had back-to-back wins with P.J. Walker, yeah, I'd put Miles Garrett on there. I mean, this this might be the best defense in football. This is their first bad game. Shout out Gardner Minshew for being the one that takes down the mighty Browns defense. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, but four total touchdowns, <laughs> 350 total yards, wow. But, yeah, he has to be up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean- No Chubb, no Watson, P.J. Walker. He doesn't have anyone else really that's fantastic. They got, they got a lot of hybrid guys like Usu Koromora, the Tony Fields, the Anthony Walker Juniors of the world, Juan Thornhills. They got, you know, Darius Smith, he's cool, Tomlinson and Maurice Hurst. Uh, some D tackles that are decent, but no one special other than Denzel Ward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just been he's, – he's in my top three. I think he's in my top two, honestly. Yeah. Like, Kirk Cousins has been good, but his team isn't winning. Yeah, that's kind of the biggest thing. So I think I would put him just above him because of that. Um, but if I really look at the rest of my MVP rankings, there's only one other player that's not a quarterback that would happen, and that's Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill is having an insane season, like phenomenal. That's yeah, how legendary. crazy of a season Miles Garrett is having, in my opinion. That I think that this team is a Super Bowl contender solely based on his ability to be as dominant as he is. And because of that, I would give him one of my most surprising players 
awards for this team. Let's move on to the next team in this division. I wanted to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers a little bit. Um, a lot of their team has been lackluster on offense this year. Uh, if there was one player you wanted to highlight, who would you talk about? I'd say Kenny Pickett. He hasn't taken the next step. He looks worse. The player that I saw at Pitt is not no longer. I mean, it's not on him. Obviously, they have the wonderful Matt Canada that we all love dearly. That's fantastic. But I'd say him. I mean, we could say Najee, but Najee's been producing the last few games. Now they just don't give him the ball. I mean, Deontay Johnson, I mean, it's really all across the board. Ellen Robinson's officially washed now. Deontay Johnson's been hurt. Pickens is inconsistent. Fryermuth, as we were talking about before the show, has done nothing. He's got like three catches this year. He is terrible. Do you see any hope in in any of those three guys? Do you think there's still room for them to improve, or are we seeing what these guys are capable of in all three of them? We're seeing what they're capable of. I don't think Pickett's going to get any better. Fryermuth will be good if he's just on a different team. I mean, he didn't even have a catch this game. Najee, at this point, this is what he is. I really don't have a lot of hope. Their only hope for this offense really is that the offensive line starts to get better and they just run the ball. Because I thought they ran the ball well this game, but in reality, they really didn't. They just had three rushing touchdowns. But, I mean, can it, Pickett can throw the ball. He's a decent quarterback. He just, this just isn't it. I mean, Pickens is the only one that I think has performed well this year. And to be honest, I think they hold him back. Mm-hmm. I can see why he's so angry because, like, he's averaging 18 and a half yards a catch. Like, he's a 20-yard play every time you get it to him. You need to scheme ways to get the ball, that guy the ball. There's no reason why you should only get, like, six targets a game. Mm-hmm. You got to get it to him in any way possible, even if it's, like, a handoff. Like, I, I mean, part- this game, five catches, 107. I think part of that is that Matt Canada is trying so hard to to keep the game contained close enough for Kenny Pickett to make plays. And I think that's messing up both him and Pickens. They just got to let him play. Exactly. Let them both just go out there and ball. Cause you, you have a great defense, so if they throw an interception or two, you'll be okay. Two weeks ago, the game-winning touchdown that Kenny Pickett threw to George Pickens was just throwing it up to him and hoping that they would make yeah. a play. Kenny Pickett made a good throw. George Pickens made a great catch. They scored a touchdown. Like, this team should be a team where it's, okay, we're going to pound it with Najee. Jalen Warren, and then we're going to throw some bombs to Pickens and Calvin Austin. Deontay Johnson's a good deep threat, too. Deontay, yeah. They don't use him right either. Like, let me just throw some bombs, get it on the outside, run the ball with our 275-pound running back, and then just throw some bombs. Get let Kenny just be, like, back at Pittsburgh, whipping it to Jordan Addison. Hmm. Let him just sling it around. I think I'm kind of opposite of you, where I think Kenny Pickett, Najee Harris, even Pat Fryermuth, I think they still have – they still have potential there. Yeah, I still think Farmuth can be. And a good I think player. I I fully believe. And I know this is the popular opinion that Matt Cannon is holding all these guys back. And then kind of off of that, Matt Cannon is still on the team. So Mike Tomlin and the front office is holding this team back. Yeah, that's really what it ends up being. That these guys aren't able to unlock their full potential. And we were talking about Mitch Trubisky earlier and how people can hold players back. People that aren't on the field can hold players back. And that's exactly what's happening to the Steelers team. This Steelers team should not be as bad or as mediocre as they are. They they have the talent. I fully believe they have the talent to win this division. 
Oh, without a doubt, they have the defense to the AFC, be a Super Bowl contender. The AFC North is open. It's a very good. It's a very good division, but it's an open division. This team could win it, but they choose not to for some reason. And I think you're detrimental to all your young players because of that. And it's awful. So honestly, most disappointing. We've been saying all these players, but give it to the Steelers organization in general. This is yeah. a team that's better than what they're showing. Much better. I mean, they're a bottom five offense. There's mm-hmm. no reason why they should be a bottom five offense. All these players. Um, Just for the last three minutes here, let's talk about a surprising player. Let's talk about something good for the Steelers. Jalen Warren has been a little surprise for this team this yeah. year. What have you liked that you've seen from Jalen Warren? I mean, he's just very elusive. He breaks a lot of tackles. I mean, he can run it for being a small guy. He can run it inside. He can run it outside. He's just very versatile. He can catch. He's just an all-around back. I really like the way he's running this year. I think he's a great pairing to a Najee Harris-type runner. If they can figure out how to get them both to be capable of playing at the same time, that could be a really dangerous backfield. It would, yeah. It just takes somebody who knows what they're doing to get that working. That and get some of their fast guys involved, like mm-hmm. Calvin Austin. or a... Get Pickens the ball. Mm-hmm. If you gave it to him <laughs> on like a, a counter or something, it's getting to the point where it's just like, we got to get him the ball. He's a big play waiting to happen every time. And if you don't, he's going to start flipping out on the sideline. You don't want that. I mean, you look at the best teams in the league. What they do best is just get their best players the ball. Yeah. They find ways to get their best players the ball. The San Francisco 49ers have spent the last three years finding the best way to get the ball to Debo Samuel and George Kittle. Mm-hmm. And Christian McCaffrey, for that matter. But he just gets the ball and does whatever, no matter what. Christian McCaffrey's a different breed. Yes. But um, That's how you run the football. <laughs> but um, these teams, like, there's points where Debo Samuel looked like he was might have been a little weaker of a route runner and was more just like a playmaker type of guy. So what they did was started handing, handing him the ball. Yeah. Getting him routes that didn't require him to do a lot of movement. The but stick just route, the hitch routes, the that, slants. That gets a guy like that open who can make a play after he gets the ball. You have to be able to do that, especially with this talent on this team. And they're just not accessing that yeah. right now. Yeah, uh, probably with the ball. Send him over the middle, play action. You've been running it a lot. Play action, get him over the middle. He's big. He can move. Mm-hmm. Throw it up to him. Exactly. Throw him a jump ball. I mean, you look at the team that they've had in the past couple of years. Chase Claypool, we now know, is a, is a bomb. But Whew. you had that in your team last year. You weren't using it. Again, that's a, guy you can, that's a guy you can use. Yeah. Especially if you're a good offense. You know how to use guys like that. Um, let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens. Um, kind of the opposite of the Steelers. A team that's been really, really good this year. And a really, yeah. really well, good surprise. And they're not missing eight starters. They're pretty yeah. good. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this was, to me... Arguably the most surprising game of this week. I mean, everyone was hyping up the Lions this week, and deservedly so. And they just laid a absolute smackdown on the Lions. I mean, Lamar Jackson was absolutely flawless. 21-27, 357, three touchdowns, no picks. Uh, he had a rushing touchdown. They ran the ball with Gus Edwards well. They ran it with Justice Hill well. Uh, Flowers, Andrews, Odell, Bateman had some catches. Aguilar had a touch, and everyone got involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, Todd Monken is really, like, he made Stetson Bennett the most dominant playoff quarterback in college football history. And you gave him Lamar Jackson. I mean, this is getting kind of scary. Because Lamar looks like a legitimate pocket passer now. Not so much before where he was just like, eh, he'll make some plays, but it'll be cool and we'll, we'll win. But no, he if he's a guy that's like, if he bangs his ankle up, he can go and sit back there and make plays. 
from the pocket. He looks much better. Mm-hmm. They have a defense, as we all know. They got Roquan, Calvin Noy, two sacks. It's Justin Matabuke, three, uh, fourth-year defensive tackle out of Texas A&M. Breakout year, he's got five and a half sacks so far. See, then you got guys like that. Patrick Queen, who you mentioned earlier, basically got replaced by Roquan, but now he's like a good duo with him. Kyle Hamilton looks like a guy that we thought was going to go top five. I mean, Clowney was showing signs of life. Geno Stone, as you mentioned. They, everyone on the defense is just overperforming and surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Baltimore Ravens have the second most pressures in the league with 158 so far. Um, and they're doing that with, like you said, most of their talent being in that back end of the defense. So the worst part of their defense is still one of the best units in the entire league. <laughs> yeah. It's absurd. Yeah. This team can, like, we were talking about how the Browns can win the Super Bowl solely on their defense. This team can win the Super Bowl solely on their defense, and they have an MVP quarterback. Who might win it again, the way he's playing. Which I think he should. And, uh, you know, kind of bringing it back to what we were talking about with guys with character. And I think a lot of people, for some reason, feel that Lamar Jackson doesn't have a good character. He is fantastic character. He is one of my favorite players in the league because he is he finds ways to be confident in himself but also still be able to put his head down and work when he knows he's not the best. And you can see that progress this season. He looks like just so much more of a team player this season than he ever has in the past. And I'm not saying he hasn't been in the past, but a lot of times when you were watching the Baltimore Ravens offense, it was Lamar Jackson versus the world. And some of that has to do with the play calling, the coaching, and stuff like that. But that also has to do with the player that he is. This season, it looks like an actual offense out there. There's guys there's guys on that offense who, in the past, haven't really been able to shine, but have talent. And on this Baltimore Ravens offense, they look like they're unlocking that talent. And I think the best quarterbacks aren't always in the spotlight, but know how to push their other players into that spotlight. And you're seeing that with guys like Nelson Aguilar. He's having a very good season for a guy who hasn't been better than a wide receiver three a lot of his career. Yeah. Say Flowers off to a great start. Exactly what I was about to say. He's been by far one of the best rookies overall in the league. Yeah, I mean, a small guy, Boston College, not the most biggest powerhouse. He looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. I mean, Odell's being revived. Andrews is still a top three tight end. Uh, Justice Hill revitalized his career. Mm -hmm. Didn't expect that to happen. It, he's making this offense look like a powerhouse or helping the team look like a powerhouse team by running this offense. Yeah, even Patrick Ricard, two catches for 31 yards, all 305 pounds of them. Love me some fullbacks, baby. <laughs> oh, it's um, beautiful. If there was anybody on this Ravens team that you would say is disappointing, who would you point out? Just Odell, but I didn't expect him to be Odell. I thought he, I thought he only has 140 yards this year. Mm-hmm. He's really not even like a threat anymore. He's just a guy. Just kind of sad, but maybe he'll bounce back. I mean, you see that happen to a lot of receivers, especially lately in the league. Yeah. You know, you look at guys like Julio Jones, who just got signed by the Philadelphia Eagles and had one target in his first game, which it's his first game. But I don't see that getting any better throughout no. the rest of the season. We saw that was last year with the Buccaneers. Exactly. He was a two-target-a-game guy. He didn't do anything. It, it, it just happens to guys like that. But having a guy with that name power on your team still draws attention from any defense. No defense is going to leave Odell Beckham Jr. open, even no. if he's 70 years old with two broken legs. And they're legs. scared to, you know, get exposed by him. Because mm-hmm. you know what's going to be all over NFL's Instagram if they do get exposed by him. Yeah. You know, that's those are cover boys he's that you just back. can't let go. Yeah, oh my exactly. God. 
Um, there's one other guy I wanted to talk about the Baltimore Ravens and him being one of the most disappointing players doesn't really, isn't really his fault, but it's just a constant thing. JK Dobbins. Yeah. You can't stay healthy. Is his career in your eyes over at this point? Is he ever going to recover and be the running back that people think he can be after this year's injury? No, he's just, he doesn't have any more. He's had too many injuries. He looked hobbled last year. It just, you tear your Achilles, you tear your ACL. You're not going to be the same guy. Mm-hmm. It's done. It's a shame. He could have been very, very good. He was very, very good as a rookie when he was healthy, but I mean, it's your third year in a row being banged up. So sad mm-hmm. news, but that's what's happening. Yeah. Um. I, I, again, there's. I think I'm just a positive outlook on life. J.K. Dobbins is still gonna have roles in this league for another yeah, yeah. five years. I he, think he won't be your bell cow though. No, and I think he's gonna get opportunities to show that he has the talent still. And I think that he's gonna have those flashes occasionally in his career, but he's. I, I agree. I don't think he's gonna be the same player that people are expecting. But I do have still a little bit of hope for a guy like that. Um, let's talk about this last team in the AFC North. Uh, mostly, they're most disappointing as they're most surprising. Isn't you know, that exciting as this team hasn't really been very surprising this year. If anything, they've been totally disappointing. The yeah. Cincinnati Bengals. Who has been the most disappointing player for that team, though, for you? T. Higgins. It was a big year, contract extension year, and he really hasn't performed. He's had a lot of drops issues, injury issues this year, just hasn't been there. Mm-hmm. Um, T. Higgins is going into an offseason where he's probably going to be on a new team, whether it happened at the deadline or it happens in the offseason. What from what you have seen so far this season, is there still hype around him going into that offseason or is There's you still hype? Him? He's had production. He could turn around this year, but we kind of know he's probably not gonna be a guy that's gonna be your bona fide number one. He could do it, but you may not be the best offense. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm, I'm waiting and seeing with him. Who knows? They could resign him. What What do you think is is the issue this year with not only Teagans but kind of this Bengals offense in general? Burrow missed all preseason, so when you missed, he basically missed six weeks. He wasn't healthy, so that was affecting him in the games. And then you throw in the fact they still don't have a good offensive line, so it's always on your quarterback. He's not. He hasn't been there, and he hasn't been healthy. So it was never going to be a great start. They started out zero two last year. They started zero two this year, and now they're three and three. I knew that was going to happen. You missed all of training camp. Ooh, Don Brown. And that was, that's what was going to happen. They still can't have a good run game. Joe Mixon's kind of teetering on too old now. They lost P. Ryan, who was actually kind of a big part of that offense, especially on third downs. And then Higgins has been hurt and inconsistent, and they had issues getting the ball to Jamar Chase to start the season. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of talking about that run game in general, I'd say besides T. Higgins, the run game in general has been – the most disappointing part of this offense and this team in general. Um, the offensive line refuses to get any better. They make signings, they make moves that they think will improve it, and they just can't do it. They can't get it done. And then you talking about um, Samaj Pirine, he, what he added to that offense last year, especially when Joe Mixon was missing time, was just a dog fire to him. And there was a guy that they could switch out when Joe Mixon was having his bad games because Joe Mixon, I think, gets elevated by this passing offense a lot of the time, and that his ability to run the ball is dictated solely on how good the passing offense Basically, is. Basically, yeah. And, you know, that can be that can be really good for, for teams, or you can get, like, a Todd Gurley situation, <laughs> which is a kind of looking like a Todd Gurley situation. 
Yeah. And I think he's getting exposed for that, and this team is getting exposed for that. Um, and you need a backup running back to help offset that. And right now, Travion Williams is their backup running back with five carries for 20 yards. That's their second leading rusher. The NIL professor. That's their second leading rusher. He's a professor. That's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you, you can't win football games like this, especially in nowadays NFL, too. You look at the rest of the league, and all those teams, every single team has a second running back who gets at least 300 yards. Playing the rookie, Chase Chase uh, Brown. He has two carries for Illinois. six yards so far. He's a special team guy. He's a beast. Guy. He's better than Travion Williams, I guarantee you I that. think he's better than Joe Mixon, if I'm being honest. At this point, maybe. I Why not give him a shot? He almost led the country in yards last year. I mean, he was a beast at Illinois. In, in a Big Ten who the Big Ten consistently breeds some of the best running backs of all time in college football yep. history. And you're not giving him a shot. I don't understand. And I understand that you feel like you're still a Super Bowl contender. This team is sitting at three and three, but three and three is sitting you in the basement of the AFC North. Yeah. You're not getting yeah, anywhere. Absolutely three stacked three. conference. And a team that going into the season had Super Bowl aspirations. Now it looks like they're gonna barely be fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah. This team in general is just one of the most disappointing teams in the league. And I think if Joe Burrow gets fully healthy, that changes. If T. Higgins gets fully healthy and can kind of offset the drops and stuff like that there's promise here but so far i would say they're one of the most disappointing teams in the league yeah we got enough time for one more team let's move on over to the afc east i want to talk about the miami dolphins <clears throat> this team kind of opposite of the cincinnati Bengals, has been one of our more surprising teams in the league not because we didn't think they would be good but because of how good they can be at points now they can also be kind of bad at points what would you say is their most surprising player so far? I did not expect Devin A-Chain to be the NFL's RB1 coming out of college. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect this run game to be that great. Because he had Tron Armstead missing games to start the season. Uh, the center, uh, William Connor Williams from Dallas, he's been out. They have a bunch of just hodgepodge. They had Liam Eikenberg at center. <laughs> he was like a tackle. And then you have Isaiah Wynn at guard. I didn't even know he was still in the NFL. The 6-1 offensive tackle. Another Patriots master class, for, oh, class first-round draft pick. Fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> Bill Belichick master class. Yes. And then you got, you know, Kendall Lamb at left. He's a veteran, okay. Austin Jackson's been kind of a maligned player. Robert Hunt's a good guard. Mm-hmm. It's their one bona fide offensive lineman right now. But uh, They're number four receiver, actually. Yes. Hunt. <laughs> oh, yes. Legend. <laughs> but... I mean, I didn't expect him to be the greatest show on turf, leading the league in rushing yards, passing yards, and points per game at 37. I mean, they kind of exposed this game with the offensive line being very injured. They're missing guys on defense. They were very, they're very injured right now. But, uh, I mean, they've been absolutely flawless. Tyreek Kill might win the MVP. Tua looks fantastic. Tua, looks better, Tua, than Justin, the MVP. Tua looks better than Justin Herbert. For the people that love that little debate, <laughs> he looks miles better than Justin Herbert this year. And then even Raheem Mostert at age 31 looks fantastic. He looks like he's a rookie out of, you know, Ohio State or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when you watch this team play, I, there's not very many sports teams in history that I can say are as fun as this team to watch. Yeah, they're fun. It's just a show every time you turn them on. Anyone who touches the ball is a threat to take it all the way. 100%. I think um, it was two weeks ago they were flashing the graphic for the most um, – or, like, the fastest High runs speed. of the season. Yeah, it was all them. Literally every single line was them. It was A-Chain, Waddle, Hill, A-Chain, uh, Hill, and then, like, 
It was like Braxton Berrios or something I, I like think, that. I think Raheem Mostert had one in there. Yeah, too, Mostert, actually. yeah, Mostert definitely did. So that's just absurd that you could have that athletic of a team. And then these guys just I don't I don't know what what Mike McDaniel's brain is, but it is something of just pure magic. He's taking that Aaron Rodgers stuff. <laughs> he is just he just goes out there and has fun. That's that man is a Madden generation guy. I don't understand guy. a word that guy says, but it, it kind of just works. He's a Madden generation guy. Yeah, like he's I, the new era of coach, and it's fun to watch. I have no clue what he's talking about, like ninety percent of the time, but it works. Uh huh. Like you watch the guys like in the post game after they win, he's like talking to them. They're just all looking at him like, like, like this is the guy calling the plays. Like this is our guy, but like we love him to death. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like they'll they'll run through a wall for him. They don't like. They probably don't want to like get a beer with him or anything, but I want to get he, a beer. He's with their him. guy. <laughs> yeah, he's I'm, fantastic. It's just everything about this team screams screams Super Bowl to me. Their connection the with each other. Is healthy, yeah. yeah, I I think even without that, they have a shot. You know, they've they've lost a couple games. You know, recently that make them look human, but then yeah. you still look back at that Denver Broncos game. Yeah, and you think about the ceiling that this team has, and that ceiling is that nobody else is stopping them. Yes, their bottom is that the best teams in the league are going to beat them. But their ceiling is that not no a single person is touching them. And no one can catch us. And I think that that puts them pretty close to the top of the league for me. If there were any disappointments with this team, what would you say they are? Jalen Phillips is supposed to have a great year. He's been hurt. He only has like one sack this year. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of disappointed at Tyron Arps that can't stay healthy. That and um, Connor Williams as well. I don't think he's really lived up to the bill as center since they signed him. Mm-hmm. Other than that, there really hasn't been anyone. I mean, their DBs have played well despite Ramsey not playing a game and Zayvon Howard being injured. I'm happy with their defense. Get those two back, they'll be world beaters. And, yeah, I mean, everyone's kind of performed very well for the Dolphins this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, personally being a Miami fan, I uh, Hurricanes, Miami Hurricanes fan. Jalen Phillips was a guy that I was really excited to see this season because last season he showed that he could be potentially one of the best pass rushers in this yeah, league. He's like a, up there with he's a guys. freak. And then this season he's come out and shown that you know there's still a lot to work on. He's still not a very physical pass rusher. There's guys when they get their hands on him, he's he's done for. He's one of those types. He's a Yannick Ngakwe type of guy is what I'm starting to see, and I hate to see that from a guy like that, but. Also, if you're a team like the Dolphins, that's not your biggest worry. You know, you'll still take whatever production he gives you because the Yannick Ngakwe guy is going to give you eight sacks a year no matter what. Yeah. Um, and you'll take that, especially if the rest of the team is still performing. The problem is if this team ever stutters, and there's a huge shot that a team like this can stutter because they did it last year, that production or that, should I say, lack thereof production becomes really scary. And two again hit on his head. Exactly. You know, that, that turns you around. That flips your season upside down. And you need somebody to be consistently solid out there for you to still be able to stay afloat when your offense is struggling a little bit. And he's not that guy right now. So I'd like to see a little bit more from him. But again, what you were saying, there's still way more that overshadows that in the good department. And that you can live with that for a little bit as long as everybody else is still clicking. We are going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll go through the rest of the AFC East and then through the AFC South and uh, West. 
Uh, so stay tuned for all of that. We will be right back. We'll be right back with the BJB Show on WRSE. Welcome back to the BJ Boys Show. How's everybody doing? This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. And like the intro said, you are listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show. If you are just tuning in, it's about halfway through our show right now. If you guys missed the first half, you heard us talk about the Chicago Bears win this past weekend and then go through the AFC North and some of the AFC East uh, with their most surprising, most disappointed players. We're going to hop right back into the AFC East and we're going to hop, or uh, yeah, AFC East, and we're hop right on over to the New England Patriots. We're going from one of the best teams in the league to one of the biggest dumpster fires in the yeah. league. What's your biggest disappointment I mean, with this, this Patriots? They have team? a historically bad offense. Like, they are terrible. Yeah, they played great yesterday or Sunday. Scored 29 points after scoring 29 points all season through uh, six games. But, I mean, it's been a dumpster fire. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott's basically been their best player, which at this point is kind of nuts because it's, <laughs> it's 2023, not 2017. Uh, I mean, they got their offensive line. I mean, they got Vidarian Lowe at left tackle. I haven't heard his name since the combine. I was watching him run a bad 40 time. Cole Strange is okay. He was the first round pick. He's got the weird face mask. Should have been drafted in like the fourth round. But they picked him at pick like 20. Uh, you got, then you got David Andrews, who's kind of washed at this point. He's like a Patriots guy that's going to be here until like 2040. And then, you know, on the right side, they got. They drafted, like, three guards in, like, the third and fourth round this year, and that's none of them. Yeah, Michael <laughs> Wenu, solid. And then the right tackle's, like, isn't it Trent Brown? Yeah. And he's, he started off the season good, and then he's just kind of slowed down like he does every season. I mean, a guy that big and that injury-prone is going to slow down eventually. Yeah. And the number one receiver, the only receiver that's played well is Kendrick Bourne. I don't even know where Juju Smith-Schuster is, Devontae Parker. They have, like, the washed – Receivers from like the late 2010s, early 2020s. That, you know, the Gasickis of the world, the Hunter Henrys, the Wash tight end. It's just bad. It's bad. And they're doing all this, and then they also have two front office moves that have happened recently or have come out recently. The one that's not as big, but one that I kind of thought was a little puzzling, was that they let Malik Cunningham go. After giving him like a three. They're going to do this thing where they just bring him up and send him out every week this year for no reason, even though he could legitimately help them right now. Mm-hmm. I think this is a guy who has massive upside at whatever position you end up putting him at. I think he's a guy who has the ability to go out and be a game changer if you give him the opportunity to. Um, and I don't think he's going to really get an opportunity now, even even on any other team, because of what's happened with this Patriots situation where they keep doing that. That that gives you a, a view in the league that you don't want to have as a young quarterback slash wide receiver, a young athlete. Because those guys don't work in the league. Yeah. Um, and I think the Patriots just kind of killed any chance that he did. The other um, big news that came out about the Patriots front office was on Sunday it was announced that Bill Belichick signed a quote-unquote lucrative and multi-year deal with the Patriots in the offseason. And this is coming out after there's been a lot of rumors that he wasn't going to come back as a Patriots coach, coach next season. What do you feel about that? I didn't even know. You told me that five minutes ago. I didn't even know that. No wonder why Robert Kraft has been so mad this year. He gave him this big deal, and now they're absolutely terrible. I don't even know what to make out of that, because is he still going to be the GM that he's been now doing absolutely terrible at? Is he still just going to be that coach? I don't know. 
I mean, they're teetering on missing the playoffs for three out of the last four years, but looking terrible going into 2024. I don't even know. I mean, I, I don't think the issue is that he's getting rehired as a coach. He's one of the greatest coaches yeah, of all I'm time. Yeah, I'm fine with that, but he needs to be thrown away from the GM spot. He's physically destroyed this team through the draft and through his lack thereof of a free agent. Like, last sign. few drafts has been, let's just pick either an Alabama player or some player that no one has ever heard of. Like they're picking those like offensive linemen from Eastern Michigan. They t- they took a punter and a kicker this year. I don't know if they're even using either one of them. Probably not. <laughs> and it was like a third and fourth round pick. So I don't know what he's doing. The offensive line, they have no talent on this team. Like They just literally have no talent. They're and using the fa- a kicker. He is their starting kicker. The fact that this team is 2-5 and five is an impressive coaching feat, but he's the one that got them into this talent deficit. Mm-hmm. So I don't even know what to do. I mean, Dan Orlovsky went off on him on Good Morning Football today about that same thing, is that he's single-handedly destroyed this team, even though he's the one single-handedly trying to save it every week. And then, like, he goes out there and he does his same Bill Belichick stuff, and people ignored his attitude and the way he deals with everything when Tom Brady was there. Yeah, because he was winning every year. There's no reason. Now he looks like an a-hole. Yeah. Every single week, because his team's not winning, he doesn't say anything, and he's the reason it's not winning and the reason that he has nothing to say. It's awful. And it like he's not specifically blaming anyone, but every time he goes on a press conference, it seems like he just doesn't care and that he like is pissed off at somebody when he really shouldn't be. He's the only one he should be pissed off at. Yeah. It's it's, a, it's tough to watch this Patriots team go down like this because there's yes a talent deficit on this team, but it's not any of the players' fault. What does Mac Jones have have? Nothing. What it, what does this running back group have? Ramondre Stevens and Ezekiel Elliott. They don't give them. the ball to Stevenson anymore. They don't. They're not giving these guys who do have talent on this roster opportunities to blossom. Kendrick Bourne's the only one getting a shot to blossom this year, and he's still not even really doing that good. It's only yeah. because he's the only guy they can throw the ball to. It it's tough to see this team go down the way it is because they deserve better as a franchise as one of. Now one of the greatest franchises in NFL history, they deserve better. And this is not what we're getting this season. Yep. It's, it's getting very rough, to put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about a team that's usually a disappointment in the AFC East, but is having kind of a surprising season this year, even without their starting quarterback, the New York Jets. What's one player that's super surprising from this team for you? The, I love the little Zach Wilson redemption arc. <laughs> I really like it. I'm happy for him. He's been playing pretty well, you know, past – Three weeks. I mean, they're running the ball a little more. He's completing more passes. He's hitting the gimme throws this year. Last year, he was really missing. They said he had the yips. Uh, he's not turning the ball over as much. I mean, that's that's significant growth from one year to another in a new offense. And their defense is still fantastic. They lead the league in pressures, quarterback hits, sacks, all that stuff. Lot their last game, they had three takeaways, three picks of Jalen Hurts, even without Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. So that's impressive. Their defense is fantastic as always. They've been absolutely dominant this year, and then their offense is starting to pick it up a little more. 3-3, mm-hmm. and three, coming off a bye, winnable game against the Giants. You know, Jets aren't done. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, to, to your points, I think the biggest thing is Zach Wilson just looks comfortable out there. And a lot of, you know, last season, like what you said, the yips, all of that little hiccups in his game that you saw happen was a lot of because he just didn't look comfortable. It was what we saw in Sam Darnold when he was in New York, is that they never have a chance to just grow. And I think 
taking an offseason with a guy like Aaron Rodgers does wonders for young quarterbacks. I think, you know, Jordan Love has kind of been up and down this season, but he came in with a lot of confidence this year. You could see it in the way he played. And you can see Zach Wilson with a lot of confidence coming in as a backup, basically in the third play of the game for the Jets. He was the starting quarterback from the beginning of the season, basically. And it looks night and day from last year, and I, I love that for the kid. I think that's exactly what this Jets team needed. I think Robert Sala is doing a great job you know, supporting him as a young quarterback and a young player in the league. It's everything. This team just has a good vibe around it. Yeah. Even with a guy like Aaron Rodgers still on the roster who makes everything a bad vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Screw Aaron Rodgers. But everything else just seems like a good vibe. And this team may not be even a playoff contender by the end of the year, but if they are, they're going to make some noise in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. They get Aaron Rodgers back. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're going to be nasty. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, this week he came out on the Pat McAfee. He goes on the Pat McAfee show every, every once in a while. <laughs> um, today he said that he had his first bad week of rehab. And that's kind of been weird because everybody's been saying he's rehabbing like a superhuman. Do you think Zach Wilson has the potential, and I asked you this early in the season when they had to put him in, do you think he has the potential to still be a starting quarterback for this team if Aaron Rodgers never truly gets fully healthy? For this year, yeah. It's just I don't know if whether or not that will be good for them. I, I'm, I feel I'm talking like, more in the future. Oh. If Aaron Rodgers never plays again? If he never plays again, if he comes back, plays bad, and they still need a replacement, what what it happens? kind of depends on how the season goes for him. If he continues, and continues to get better and better, and by the end of the year he's getting, you know, 250, two touchdowns every game, he looks like a good quarterback, then yeah, but... If he goes back to what he was, if he, if they bought him off like he did last year, I don't think they're going to bring him back after like another seven and ten or six mm-hmm. and eleven season. But mm-hmm. we'll, we just have, for him, it's he's the ultimate wait and see. What do we have here? We really don't know what we have in Zach Wilson after two and a half years. Mm-hmm. We really don't know. And I think this is kind of how, you know, just coming from personal f- experience as a Bears fan, that's kind of how I felt about Mitch Trubisky almost. And it's. A lot of the same situation besides, you know, getting replaced by Aaron Rodgers. So that didn't yeah. happen to Trubisky, but Darn. I wish it happened. Yeah. As much as I hate Aaron Rodgers, I wish that happened. We would have won, like, three Super Bowls. Probably. But, um, you know, besides that, a lot of it is the same kind of thing where he's he's thrown in early when he's obviously not ready to be thrown in right away. Kind of gets thrown to the Sharks, has a rough first season, but then comes in in that next season and shows that there's potential there. Now, if he can stay healthy, if this team can stay healthy – he might be able to grow, and I see a lot of ceiling there. The problem is that it's going to take a lot to take those next steps for him. He's taking baby steps right now. Eventually, he's going to have to start taking grown man steps. And we'll we'll see it happen, maybe not for this team, but I think Zach Wilson's going to get shots based on what he's done the first half of the season. With the New York Jets, what's somebody you felt like has been kind of disappointing so far this season? Delvin Cook. I mean, he's washed. He's, like, useless out there. He's averaging, like, two yards a carry. I mean, it's not been good. And I'm kind of disappointed in Sauce Gardner. He really doesn't take the next step. He's kind of he was struggling for a little bit there. So I kind of want to see more from him. He's been hurt last game. I want to see more from him. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you felt about Quinn and Williams so far this season? Oh, yeah. I mean, you get paid and you only have half a sack through six games. I mean, that's not it. He you does get, have a pick. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful. You love him when a fat guy gets an interception. But, I mean, you got – Great players around you. There's no reason why you shouldn't get at least one sack every game. You're not being double teamed. You got, you know, Jermaine Johnson, Bryce Huff, 
and then all these blitzing linebackers and solid, you know, the Michael Clemens of the world, guys like that, they're all good players. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why, you know, he should have at least three or four sacks right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I think with Quinn and Williams, a lot of what he does is, you know, more helping other people get pressure. He's he definitely fa- does, yeah. He's very – I mean, this is how Chris Jones kind of started his career, and then he turned it more into a sack guy and was able to get his own pressure a little bit more. Um, but he started off with, like, helping other people get those sacks. And I think it's just kind of, you know, it takes a little time for a guy like this. He had an amazing season last year, and I think people were expecting the same kind of production, but it's a little bit different of a team this year. You know, their mindset is a little bit different. I think that takes away from some of the stuff that you may not be able to see if you're a casual NFL fan. I mean, Quinton Williams still has 22 pressures on the season. That's top four. Yeah, that's very good. That's top four in defensive tackles in the league. You know, he's still doing his thing. It's just kind of, you know, on the back burner. And I think for a guy like Quinton Williams, a lot of people expect him to be more than that because of where they took him and the way he played last season. So while it may still be a little disappointing this year that we're not seeing the same production in the stat sheet, there's still promise that he's going to get back to that level one day. Let's talk about the Buffalo Bills, the last team in the AFC East here. Who has been your most disappointing player? Half the time, Josh Allen. <laughs> There's no in between with him. He's either fantastic or he is God's hungriest baby in front of God's taste. Oh, I said it wrong. <laughs> I'm relegated. Uh, That's your signature quote, dude. Yeah, he is God's tastiest baby for the God's hungriest pit bull. I'm not relegated anymore. <laughs> Unrelegated. <laughs> Moved up promotion. But there's that. I mean, defensively, I would still like to see more from guys like Gregory Rosso, Boogie Basham. They kind of threw to the back burner. They drafted Dalton Kincaid over a litany of other needs that they had. They basically got rid of Dawson Knox, and Kincaid really, this is his first meaningful game. A catch just 75 yards against the Patriots. So, mm-hmm. I don't know what their plan is here. I mean, I with Josh Allen, I just don't understand why he can't be consistent. There is everything around him on this team that should allow him to be consistent, and he still thinks he needs to make hero ball plays all the time. All the time. Take a note from Lamar Jackson. We were talking about it earlier. Let Take that step, Josh Allen. You're an MVP caliber quarterback who's holding yourself back. Yeah. I know he's not listening to the show, but I'm talking straight to him. You're an MVP caliber quarterback that is holding yourself back. You need to be able to take a step back and look at the team that's around you and allow them to take over. And Sean McDermott and that offense and that offense allow Josh Allen to do that. Stop letting him go out there and just do whatever he wants because that's what it looks like you're doing. When I was watching that week one and the difference it was between week two and just the way Josh Allen runs the ball. He was doing his old Josh Allen stuff week one where he was just throwing himself into people for no reason. And then week two, they stopped that. He looked like he was reined in a little bit by the coaching staff. They didn't really allow him to get out of the pocket as I don't think Dorsey has the cojones to tell him what to do. Mm -hmm. I think Dable had no problem. Dable's that guy. But I don't think Dorsey's that guy, to be honest. He's a reserve guy. He's a quarterback at University of Miami. Uh, he doesn't really quite have the moxie that Dable does to reel him in. Because mm-hmm. um, Dable grew up with, I'm basically, he grew Josh Allen from a rookie to what we have now. 
Dorsey's kind of just like, okay, well, I, I, I'm replacing him. We won't, we'll keep it the same how Brian did it, you know. And they haven't been as good since they had Dable. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it happens. But McDermott needs to have a stern, closed-door meeting with Allen. Be like, hey, this, isn't, this, this ain't going to win it for us. It hasn't the last three, four years in the playoffs. It's on you, man. I, I think the front office needs to have a sit-down with all three of those guys. Because this is this has been the story of the Buffalo Bills for the past five seasons, they haven't been able to take that next step to true Super Bowl contenders. And all three of these guys, Dorsey, McDermott, and Allen, need to sit down and be like, "What do we need to change so that we can finally be that true?" People don't believe in them anymore. No, I don't believe they don't. Them. This team should be Super Bowl contenders, and people will not put them in that category. People are willing to put the Dolphins over them. People are willing to put. You know, teams the that aren't the Browns, teams that aren't better than this Bills team over them because they think the Bills are just going to do what they do every single year. And it looks like that's happening. It looks worse than the past couple of years, honestly. Yeah. There's no reason this team should be playing the way that they are so back and forth because that's going to get you killed when you play good teams consistently. When it gets to playoff time, you have to play three straight games with three of the best teams in the league. You're not winning one of those games. Nope. You're going home. So we'll see what happens. Is there anybody on the Bills that you felt like deserves a little bit of a shout out? Uh, like a guy like uh, Terrell Bernard stepping in for Matt Milano. Uh, it's their secondary. I mean, Notre Davis White Poyer's been kind of banged up. Same with Hyde. So all the backups they have. AJ Espinessa the last couple of weeks has come out of nowhere. People I were mean, real close to saying he might have been one of the most disappointing players of the season yeah. at the beginning of the year, and then I mean, he just flipped a switch. Just. Now, fourth year coming into this year, he had nine sacks. He's got four already this year. He's a former second-round pick. He's starting to play like a second-round pick now. Shout-out Leonard Floyd with six-and-a-half sacks. Hey, dude. Yeah, most probably, yeah. Forgot about him. The um, big, bulky defensive end that we all <laughs> love from the Bears who just was always just too muscular and too big, too heavy for his own good. One guy I wanted to give out a shout-out, and I know a lot of people have been giving him shout-outs uh, at the beginning of the season especially, maybe not as recently, but James Cook. Yeah. Um, he stepped up. Uh, it looks even better that his brother looks awful, you know, so it kind of gives him a good comparison stick. Yeah. Um, but he's looked like he's finally, or the Bills have finally found a running back that they, they trust. You know, and again, these past couple weeks it's been slowly kind of going down for him. He hasn't had the same production he started with. But – at the same time, they're still trusting him like that number one back. And I think it's well-deserved. I wanted to give him a quick shout-out. You know, Josh Allen is still their second-leading rusher. Um, I don't know why they keep giving the ball to Latavius Murray, too. But James Cook has been awesome, and I want to give him some love. Let's move on over to the AFC West here. Let's start off with the defending Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Who has been their most surprising player to you? Just their no-name defense. I mean, they have the second-ranked defense in the entire league. They just shut down Justin Herbert. The defense has always been the question mark for the Chiefs. This year, it's their strength. They look fantastic. The Mike Danas, the Felixes, the Karloffsis of the world, uh, Sneeds, all these guys have just played fantastic this year. The Drew Tranquil, as you mentioned, leading them in tackles. Nick Bolton, Gaze, you know, Chris Jones. They look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another guy that we were talking about a little bit before the show is Rasheed Rice. Mm-hmm. We were giving some love to Zay Flowers for being one of the best rookie uh, players. Rasheed Rice has looked like one of the better rookie receivers 
so far. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, having a guy like Patrick Mahomes throwing you the ball. But Patrick Mahomes has kind of had one of his worst seasons. And it's still a pretty good season, but yeah. it's been kind of an ugly season for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, not great. And this was his first real good game. Mm-hmm. I've had him in fantasy. This is his first game where he actually put up points. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think it's hard for anybody when you're number one player on offense besides your quarterback is your tight end. Yeah. You know, Travis Kelsey is a very good player, but that's kind of scary when that's your only receiver you're able to throw the ball to a lot of the time. Um, and Rasheed Rice has found a way to push himself into that second role when there was like five or six names that could have been that number two receiver for them this season. Yeah. We thought Sky Moore, talk about disappointment, we thought Sky Moore was going to step up. That hasn't happened. We thought Valdez Scantling was going to step up. That has, he finally had a good game now. Took him seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Noah Gray, as you said, doesn't. Kadarius Tony. they thought he was going to be our number one guy. That's the most disappointing player on this team. Kadarius that might Tony. be one of the most disappointing players in the NFL. He hasn't done anything this year. It all set the tone on week one where he dropped four passes. Two of them could have been touchdowns. I mean, he's got a sterling 18 catches for 105 and one touchdown this year. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, this is a personal disappointment to me. I thought Justin Ross was also going to take another step with this team. Yeah, they didn't even put him out there. They don't They don't play him, and I think a lot of that is him. I think people, a lot of people, not just myself, had – some faith in a guy like that who had a lot of talent in college and just kind of hasn't really gotten a shot in the NFL yet. And after having a couple injuries in college, you know, I thought this year was going to be the year that he could just take that next step. And I'm see, I thought that was Sky Moore. I thought that with Kadarius Tony. I thought that with Noah Gray. And none of these guys are just taking that next step. Um, do you still feel like this team is the defending Super Bowl champs, or is there going to be a change of crown this year? They'll be up there. I mean, they're the one seed right now. We always forget about that. They're going to win their division by a country mile. I mean, their division is absolutely terrible. The Raiders are the second-best team in their division. That's wild. <laughs> and we just saw them get killed by the Chicago They got Bears. smacked by the Bears. <laughs> like, boosh, bear. It was bad. <laughs> so, they'll be fine. I think <laughs> Scantling will come. They got Michael Harvin back, if that's worth anything. <laughs> Scantling and Rasheed Rice will get better than Pacheco's a dog. They'll start getting McKinnon more involved. They might go out and trade for someone I would. I'd go trade for Hopkins personally. Mike Evans might be on the board too. People yeah. have been saying he's increasingly getting more on the trade market. So And Mike Evans on this team would just be oh it'd be unstoppable. He might get he might get the love he deserves finally. He might <laughs> go down as the greatest receiver of all time. I mean we're not talking about Mike Evans, but Mike Evans is already in my opinion, one of the greatest receivers of this generation. People oh, don't talk about him enough. Without a doubt, people don't want to talk about him. And they don't want to talk about him. I think you put him on the Chiefs, and he's going to get that recognition he deserves. And be like, wow, this Evans guy is really good. <laughs> yeah, he's had like nine straight thousand-yard seasons, bro. He's been quietly the most consistent receiver in yeah, doesn't say a word. Almost the history of the NFL. He just goes home, plays football, hangs out with his family. He's a great guy. <laughs> Brought his daughter out on draft night. It was a great moment. It was very emotional. Only time fantastic. I've, the only time I've ever seen him not a great guy is when he uh, almost killed. Um, yeah, other than when, <laughs> other than when he wants to commit homicide against Marcus Lattimore. Other than that, he's a fantastic guy. Something about Lattimore, I don't know. He just, it's a different switch. I think those Saints players just say something. They're they, just they, different. They all learned from Chauncey Gardner Johnson. He's probably going to end up being the Antichrist in the next couple decades. That's going to decimate the world. He's and right yeah. up there with Eli Apple, who was also in New Orleans. Oh, uh, yeah. So you, you got those two guys around. You still had some remnants of, like, the the Greg Williams guys. <laughs> so, yeah, Marcus Lattimore is just, like, 
he's like that little science experiment. And you have like a younger brother, and he hangs out with all like your bad friends, and then he's just like you just create like a terrible guy. That's what he is. And Jameis might not have helped with that situation. Yeah, I think either, got Jameis but... like talking about we don't even know what. He's putting his face finger is, in his face. It's just perfect. He's eating a W. People think he's throwing up like a West Side symbol. He's just no. He's just eating a W because he thought that was a good idea. <laughs> He has, like, the absolutely crazed look in his eyes. He's got those big eyes. And then you're in New Orleans, and it's already crazy because you're in New Orleans. There's, like, vampires there, and, like, there's just people. I was there. It was, like, we went there on vacation, and there was just, like, people, like, laying on the street everywhere. And it was quite nice. Just... So, yeah, that's where he's at. And they're under sea level, so it's nice and salty, so you're already mad. The NFC South is just a wild land. NFC South is, like, a third-world country. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to our next AFC West team. Let's get back on track a little bit here. Um, let's talk about the Denver Broncos. Not as disappointing as last season because I think people came into the season with a little bit of lower expectations. But what has still been one of the most disappointing parts of this Denver Broncos team for you? I mean, they had the best defense in the league last year, basically. Now they're the worst. I mean, they've rebounded the last two games. Uh, they had a couple plays against the Bears, but... I mean, Sir Tam looks like, you know, remember when Tim Jennings got, like, washed? Yeah. He looks like that. <laughs> like in the matter of an offseason, kind of like Patrick Sir Tam? Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, they don't have any pass rush. They paid Zach Allen, and Zach Allen has one sack, and it's because they forgot to block him. They paid Randy Gregory and then shipped him out just as fast as they paid him. Yeah, I mean, I think they're still paying him, too. Mm -hmm. So they got a guy named Nick Benito. He's cool. And Cooper. He's nice. <laughs> Simmons is there. He probably wants to. He's regretting that contract extension. Uh, and, yeah. I mean, Vance Joseph, I mean, they might never let him back in the city of Denver ever again because he was their old head coach that got fired that inherited a pretty good, you know, the Gary Kubiak Broncos, inherited them and just turned them into poop. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's that. And then for most surprising, I mean, Obviously, Jaleel McLaughlin, D2 out of Notre Dame. The other Notre Dame, I guess there's another. Other. <laughs> oh, my, my friend from high school went there. What? He was a golfer, and everyone would just make fun of him. So, I'm, I'm, this is, again, going off track a little bit. I'm learning this year that there are schools that are, like, exactly the same in every single way, besides that the fact that they're D2 and D3. So, one of my high school teammates, he's playing at an Augustana University right now. Yeah. That is the Augustana Vikings. With the same blue and yellow colors, everything's exactly the same. But this Augustine is eight and zero and one of the best teams in D two. And I thought he was playing for the D three Augustine Vikings. It's just, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, College football is a wild world. There's, <laughs> there's, just, there's just like a couple like portals that you just like it's like into another dimension. Yeah, that's basically like what somewhere it is. somewhere there's like a Elmhurst team in like Massachusetts, <laughs> and they're just like the best team in D three football. <laughs> there's a shot. <laughs> And then Russell Wilson looks revitalized. He looks good. That's who I wanted to talk about. He looks about solid. 13 touchdown passes, four interceptions. He had 13 pass, passing touchdowns at week 16 last year. Mm -hmm. So much improved. Good for him. Kiara must be helping him out. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think the kind of the biggest thing with Russell Wilson is last season, he just looked like he was sad a lot of the time. Sad, scared, lost, alone, whatever you want to say. Which, which I think, like, we, we want to make fun of him for last season, but last season he was sad, sick, lost, alone. Nobody was on his side with this Broncos Yeah, I mean, he was situation. still saying, like, the Seahawks audibles. He had the worst offensive line in the league. 
people were ready to jump down his throat when the yeah. Denver Broncos looked disappointing. Felt bad for him. I, yeah, it was bad. It it was just an awful situation for Russell Wilson, who, besides all the reports that came out about him maybe not being the best teammate, everything I've seen of him looks like he's a good dude. He's a guy yeah, who cares. I mean, he got, He's a guy who goes out there and earns his money. Like, whether he's doing well or not, he goes out there and plays hard. Like, I've never seen him really give up. And even with a situation like last year, there's a lot of people who would have shut down and would have completely thrown away their career after that. And I'm starting to see a little bit of confidence come back in Russell Wilson this season. And the rest of the team isn't really helping him out still. Like you said, the defense completely flipped a switch the wrong way. Jerry Judy hasn't looked like the He's number one receiver. He's I forgot about him. If he was in this room, I'd piece him up. <laughs> You know, I, I think, yeah, he's by far the most disappointing player on this team. I think we know what Cortland Sutton is. I think Cortland Sutton has still been a solid receiver this year, and I don't think people expected that much of him after coming off an injury-plagued year. But Jerry Judy was supposed to be that next step this year. He's never going to take that next step. I, I don't. He has all the talent in the world. He's supremely talented. All the talent in the world. He's has these flashes of games where he looks like the best receiver on this team. And then every other game, he looks like he could be the third receiver. Tim Patrick looks better than him a lot of the time. R.I.P. Tim Patrick. Exactly. <laughs> like, that is not non-existent anymore. The dude hasn't played since 2021. And he could still probably be a better player than Jerry Judy sometimes. Yeah. And I just don't understand why. What, what would you do if you were the Denver Broncos? What would be the lowest trade package you'd take for a guy like Jerry Judy? Third round pick. That's what I would take for him. What do you think teams are offering for him? That? I'd give him a fourth. I'm not giving him anything best. He's got terrible attitude. He tried, like, fighting Steve Smith on Thursday Night Football, and Steve Smith said, hey, you've been playing better. And then he just called him a bunch of words I can't say on him. I and really can't say, but yeah. And that's just soft. Like, knowing the type of guy that Steve Smith is, and everybody knows who Steve Smith is, he's going to talk garbage to you, whether that, he's on the field or not. The thing not. about Steve Smith is, like, he's always right. Like, mm -hmm. he, 2017 draft, he's like, Cooper Cup is by far my number one guy. It's not even close. And everyone's like, why is, Why don't you have Corey Davis ahead of him? You're crazy. Why don't you have uh, – it was like uh, out of Ole Miss. Um, oh Laquan Treadwell. Yes, it's like, why don't you have you. him over Saints him? Saints guy, it's that's like, what I was going to say. It's like, you're nuts. And then Cooper Cup's like the white devil now, and everyone else is out of the league. <laughs> But yeah, that's just Steve Smith, and it's, dude, it's like before a game, too, so you're not even focused on your game. You're more worried about what people are saying about you. And it's like, you look at yourself in the mirror, look at your stats, look at your film, you've you've not lived up to your potential. Exactly. You were a top ten pick, they picked you because they were like, hey, this is the guy we need to get past the Chiefs, we need firepower, we have other needs, but we need firepower, we're bringing in the big guns, and you've been terrible. Mm -hmm. In a locker room issue, he said in like an interview earlier this last week, uh, well, he's like, well, you know, receivers, it's like, you know, if the offensive line doesn't block and your quarterback doesn't get it to you and the coach calls a bad play, what are you supposed to do? So he basically just threw out his entire organization under the bus. And, yeah, I don't know. It It's just undeserved, too, for, for this Denver. Like, the Denver Broncos aren't the best organization, but they've given him opportunities and given him pieces that should allow him to take that next step, and he refuses to take it. He has other receivers next to him. He has a quarterback who's been an MVP candidate in his career. He has a coach who has won a Super Bowl before and is highly touted, even though I'm 
looking at it as a complete failure this season from that perspective, too. He has everything there. He just needs to change his attitude. That's the big theme today with a lot of these players, is that attitude means everything. Character means means everything. And it's starting to show in a lot of these AFC teams, and especially with the Denver Broncos and Jerry Judy. Let's talk about another disappointing team in this AFC West, the Chargers. Who is your most disappointing player for this team? I mean, it would be a guy like J.C. Jackson. He's so far gone, it's not even worth mentioning. He's not even on the team anymore. Yeah, like he's been gone for like a couple weeks now. Like, Justin Herbert. Everyone has given this guy the benefit of the doubt in every situation. They hype him up at every situation. They say he's better than Burrow. They say he's better than this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. He is the most unclutch quarterback I've ever seen. He's had week one, week two, chance to go down. All you need is a field goal to win the game. Didn't do that. Didn't do, show up in the second half against the Chiefs. Didn't show up uh, last week. Who'd they play? The uh, I don't know why it's blinking. I mean, didn't really show up against the Vikings either. Uh, the Chiefs. They played the Chiefs this week. No, well, the week before. Oh, the week before. Oh, Get the two and three. The Cowboys. The Cowboys yes, on Monday yes, night. Yes, 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 you yes, had a yes. chance to do that. He was overthrowing guys the entire game. You need to step up. Like, you have still good players. You have Eckler. You have uh, Keenan Allen. Palmer's solid. You got some tight ends. Like, you have a solid offensive line, and he's just not. Yeah, I know you have Brandon Staley, but still. Like, you need to step up, dude. I mean, at one point, it's not Brandon Staley's fault. People blamed him all last year for every single game that they lost in the fourth quarter. Justin Herbert has 13 career interceptions in the fourth quarter since 2020. That is by far the most of any quarterback in that time span, in that three- or four-year time span. He is actually five more interceptions higher than the next person on the list. Five whole interceptions in the fourth quarter. This team puts them into positions to win. Brandon Staley puts them into positions to win, and Justin Herbert throws the game away. Every single time. Without fail. If I were a betting man, I'd put all my money on him throwing a fourth-quarter interception in a late game. It's that atrocious. And like you said, people have given given him the benefit of the doubt every single year. Every single year. He has so much talent, and then he just sells it in the fourth quarter. Every year. Every single year. And then when you're looking at like this season in general – and we, we talked about it with a couple other guys. This isn't a great season for Justin Herbert, even no. beyond the fourth quarter. He's looked unspectacular. He's looked like a starting quarterback. He's looked like probably a top 15 quarterback in the league. But f- number 15 isn't great for a guy that's supposed to be top five. Yeah. Not fantastic by any means. It, it's it's hard to watch. Um, what, what do you think this Chargers team needs to do or Justin Herbert himself needs to do to kind of – get away from the stigma that he's had and all of this negative stuff that's coming out with him not performing. They just got to play better. I mean, it sounds stupid. <laughs> sounds simple, but what else are you going to do? Sometimes the most simple answers are the right answers. Sometimes you just got to go out and just do it. Get it to Keenan Allen. Get it to go run. I don't know. I mean, at this point, it's four years of this, so... Whatever you've been doing, throw that out. Put your body on the line. Do whatever you need to do. We're getting to that point. We're two and four. If you lose to the Bears, first up, Staley might get fired, and you're in the AFC. You're done. 
If you go two and five, you're done. So this is do or die. Sunday night, winnable team, sadly. <laughs> but now, right now, this playoffs start now. Basically, you can only lose like probably two to three more games the rest of the year if you want a chance. So you got to go all out. Yeah, I mean, I I can't say that Justin Herbert's. The view that the league has on Justin Herbert goes away if they don't do anything this season. I think people are still going to hype him up. I think people are still going to love him. But there's going to be the certain hierarchy change with him that's going to put him into more of the category of where we've had like the Kirk Cousins and the Derek Carrs these past few years when we have had him in the category of a Joe Burrow, a Matthew Stafford. Guys who have the potential to win you a Super Bowl but maybe just need a little bit more around them. Versus a guy that's probably good enough talent-wise to win a Super Bowl, but takes away from the rest of his team. And you've kind of seen that a lot with a lot of those caliber guys. You know, Kirk Cousins has kind of taken a step up. He's kind of taken more of a role now that their team's doing less. But then you look at a guy like Derek Carr, and that's a guy, it's kind of like Justin Herbert's situation, where people gave him the benefit of the doubt for a really long time in his career. And in these past few years, people have kind of been like, Okay, Derek. When are you gonna When are you gonna do something else? When are you Run, gonna win buddy. us some games? It's time. And then they get rid of him, and he goes to a team that is pretty much lateral situation. You know that Oakland team is, if not worse, probably the same as that Saints team that's there right now, and he looks awful. And I think we're gonna see that with Justin Herbert coming up here soon if he can't just play ball. That's all that's got to happen. I think you're right. And, again, like I said before, sometimes the most simple answers are the right answers. And I think that could potentially be the right answer. Is there any parts of this team that you have liked this year? With Eckler being out, I like how the, the other running backs have stepped up. I like how Joshua Palmer stepped up with Mike Williams being out. I don't like how their first-round pick is Lud Quinn Johns. He's done nothing. Mm-hmm. Seven catches. Uh, I think their defense has played better in the last couple games, stepping up a little bit. But I love Cool Mac, the <laughs> Mac Daddy. He's going to baptize during all right this week. It's going to be rough. Tyson Bajan, strap up your chin strap, buddy. You ain't in West Virginia anymore. You're not at Shepherdstown anymore. You're not going against the Las Vegas Raiders no, pass rush anymore. No. You're going against the one and only 52 Baron Down. You're not going to see his face. He ain't going to say a word. He's coming. He's coming all right. <laughs> <laughs> Relentless. <laughs> and you got Bosa on the other side whenever he wants to play ball. Yeah. And Derwin James is going to smack Deontay Foreman across the middle, so you're going to have to put it on time. <laughs> we'll, we'll really see what uh, Tyson Bage yeah. made up after this week. Strap up, buddy! Um, we talked about the Raiders a little bit already. Let's hop on over to our last division, the AFC South. Let's start off with a team that's kind of been one of the more surprising teams of the league, the Houston Texans. Who's been one of their most surprising players to you so far this season? I'll, I'll, I won't go to the obvious at first. I'll start with Nico Collins. I mean, he's their number one wide receiver. Through six games, 500 yards, two touchdowns, big play guy. He's really complimenting Tank Dell well. Small guy, big guy, you know, good duo. Uh, then, obviously, I mean, C.J. Stroud. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting him to have a great rookie year. I was kind of iffy on him, especially with that, like, the whole – uh, football test thing, you get like a 18 score, which is like virtually impossible yeah. to do. But I mean, he just came in and said, "Get on my back!" 
And he basically is carrying this team. He didn't throw a pick until week six. Nine touchdown passes to one pick, 2,000-plus yards already. He's carrying that team as a rookie. Mm-hmm. He's having t- teammates over for film. He's being a leader. He's doing everything. He was he went to church like last week. He's doing everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looks fantastic. Way better than I thought. He's the best rookie quarterback. It's kind of funny because he's going against Bryce Young this week, so it's like, hey, he could have had me. Mm-hmm. Which I guess that's I believe that's what Frank Wright and Josh McCown wanted. Yeah, I think I think with kind of the Wonderlic score and what happened with that, and then I think there's this kind of perception for some reason that C.J. Stroud wasn't going to be a good character guy. I don't know why. And after what you just said it's and what we've we seen so the, far this season, he can really throw the ball. <laughs> I really like how he runs. The, we get, it's those guys saying yeah. that. They say that every year about the the number one African-American quarterback. He has character. Like They said that about Fields. He does have character issues. They said that about Lamar. He has no character issues. <laughs> they said that about um, Mahomes. Or they, had, they had something weird to put Trubisky ahead of Mahomes. And Deshaun Watson. Well, he, he did. But <laughs> we, we saw, he, he did. Deshaun Watson had they, massive character they're issues. Right. They were right about him. But they did that to Mahomes, too. Put Trubisky over him. And Patrick Mahomes has been the poster boy of the NFL since he's yeah, got so a starting job. It just happens to it just happens to one of them every year. Mm-hmm. At least one of the top African-American quarterbacks in the draft. They will sadly do that to him. But at least he ended up in a good spot. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Carolina. I mean, I think this this Houston team and the culture that I've seen from D'Amico Ryans as the head coach, and I think he was just the perfect hire for this team. Oh, perfect. Young, energetic, smart, former player when they were good, perfect. Mm-hmm. He's just let and kind of what we've been saying with the Bears and some of these other teams is that he's just kind of let them go out there and play ball. This is a team that they don't expect to win games. So just go out there and let the young guys play. Allow them to unlock unlock their potential on their own while also giving them the infrastructure to do that. And I think D'Amico Ryans has done that extremely well. I think Nico Collins is a guy that, you know, people were eyeing early in the season and that were saying he could potentially take a next step in this Houston Texans offense and be an important player. But I don't think people were expecting him to come out and be this good right away. I don't think they were, they were kind of saying the same thing with Tank Dell, that he looks like he's a guy that could be a – building piece for this future they weren't expecting him to come out and play well this right away and then you look at cj stroud like we've been saying it was kind of the same thing they expected him to come in and just be a rookie starter right away and then eventually step into a bigger role but he's come out and played right away and a lot of that has to do with this culture that they're building like you're saying with him inviting people over to his home to watch film that's a huge huge thing for people to do these nfl guys they're making millions of dollars they just want to go home and sit on their comfy couches and play madden most of the time play call of duty do something other than football. For a guy like that to still invite his teammates over afterwards, still go over football, still care about football, that's a huge thing. Gigantic. Exactly. Um, is there any players on this team that you would say have been disappointing so far? I mean, Will Anderson, I know he's a rookie, but come on. They traded up for him, number three overall. He was East in college. He really hasn't done anything. He was supposed to be a generational talent a month before the draft. Yeah. He was the guy that everybody was coveting. For 90% of the draft process until, like, again, a month before the draft when everything shifted. Yeah. I mean, with DNs, I've always kind of been skeptical. I mean, he didn't look too good his senior year. But, I mean, he kind of just looks small out there. I mean, he's, he's just – I think he's relying too much on his power. He needs to go back to his other moves, use his speed. But he just really hasn't done that much. Mm-hmm. I think kind of – 
the theme that we've been seeing with a lot of these early round DNs that aren't succeeding and these pass rushers that aren't succeeding is that they're just not they're not big enough. That's kind of been the big issue. You know, you go all the way back to, and we talked about him earlier, kind of finding his own now, but Leonard Floyd. When he was with the Bears, he had hype going into the draft from the Bears for some reason. Yeah, they traded up to get him. But he wasn't big enough. And you like saw it. He got 215 bullied. pounds. He got bullied. Jalen Phillips, we're seeing moments where he looks like he's not big enough. Will Anderson, we're seeing that happen live with him. And then you look at the best DNs that get drafted that high, they're just freaks of nature. They're Miles just, Garrett. The Miles Garrett's, the Nick Bosa's, you know, these guys that are just units. And I think for you to be a successful pass rusher in this league, you have to get up to that level. You have to get bigger. A guy like TJ Watt came in not super big, has put on a lot of muscle since he's gotten in the league, and it helps that he's training with J.J. Watt, who's an absolute monster, and <laughs> his brother. Yeah. You know, it helps that he's learning from a guy like that and he's getting into the right shape, but you have to have this certain mentality. And I hope that Will Anderson takes the next step. I'm willing to give him this season. Yeah, yeah, me too. You know, it, it happens early in the league. He could turn it around too, like Hutchinson mm-hmm. did his rookie year. Exactly. There's there's still opportunities. and But, like, a guy like Hutchinson, he put on weight this offseason. You can see it when he's playing this year. Yeah, he, he looks work, stronger. Did that, worked on his dance moves, now he's balling. <laughs> It, it looks better, and I hope Will Anderson can do that. I think he will. I think he seems like a guy who has a good leadership role in whatever team he's on. I think he is another guy, a good character. I think he'll be able to figure that out. One guy I'm a little worried about, though, is Damian Pierce. Do you think him kind of having a regression from his rookie year is more a change in an offensive persona, or is it just him not taking that next step? Offensive persona, the offensive lines were very banged up. I mean, they had Lovey Smith this year. He wants to run the ball. <laughs> Just run the ball, play defense, we'll be okay. Hang in there, big boy. <laughs> now to you know, Mika Ryans. I don't really know who their offensive coordinator is, but the offensive lines were very banged up. I think once they get him going, they'll be all right. Mm-hmm. I think my, my biggest thing with him is that, yes, offensive line has been banged up, but he's also gotten the opportunities. And I think even the best running backs in the league with a banged-up off- offensive line still make the most of what they get with their opportunities. I just don't think he's making the most of what he gets with his opportunities. I saw times where Derrick Henry was playing with really banged-up offensive lines, and he still made plays. And granted, he's one of the greatest running backs of this generation. Watching him play, he is. But there's guys who may not be at that same caliber. There's Aaron Joneses who make plays with offensive lines that aren't always healthy. You look at that Packers team, they got new offensive lines every week, even though they should have one of the best offensive lines in the league. You know, But he makes it work when he's healthy. I think Damian Pierce has to be able to do that. And it kind of with the same threat as Will Anderson, he's still a very young player. He's a running back in the NFL nowadays. That's a very hard position to play in the NFL. It's not a running back friendly league. We've seen that with the whole contract issue. People don't people don't want to accept that a running back is an important position because for a lot of teams it's not. But for a young team like this, running back isn't an important position. And for them to truly be successful, he's going to eventually need to take another step. And right now I'm not seeing that next step being taken. I don't see a future where that next step is taken because he's getting the shots. He's just got to do something with them. And I get it. It's tough. But the way the rest of the offense is playing – you you look like the black sheep. That's all it is. Yeah. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, let's talk about one more team, and I think we're going to close it out for the night. 
My last team I wanted to talk about was the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a team that everybody thought was for sure going to run away with the AFC South this year. And it hasn't really 100% looked like that. What's kind of been disappointing about this team to you? I mean, Trevor Lawrence, to me, just everyone always hypes him up. He just really hasn't blown me away. He's played very well the last two weeks. You know, three dominant wins, looks very good, slinging around, not th- turning it over. But I just want to see more. You're like the most hyped prospect since, like, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. It's like, I want to see more. Uh, I want to see more out of Christian Kirk. Run game's been very good. Impressed with that. Defense has really impressed me the last couple weeks. They're taking the ball away a lot. That's their identity. They were talking about how when they had sacks of them, but now they have takeaway. I don't really remember their nickname, but that's what they pride themselves on. And overall, just being more consistent mm-hmm. as a team as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've kind of talked about guys that need to take next steps, and I think right now we're seeing Trevor Lawrence kind of repeat what he's doing last season. But to your point, he was one of the most consistently highly touted quarterback prospects we've seen in a long time. There's guys that have been at the level he has been, but they take drops or drops and rises and drops and rises in the draft process. He was one of the only guys that was consistently that number one pick for four straight years of college and one year of the NFL draft process. For five straight years, he was that number one overall pick. You expect that guy to be more than what he's right now going into his third season four season, whatever it is now. Um, and he's just not doing that. And, again, it's it's not a bad season from him, but this Jags team is a team that I think if he's playing at the top of his game, if the rest of the team is playing at the top of his game, they have a chance to make noise in the playoffs. They chance to go to the Super Bowl, in my opinion. And right now I don't think they do that with the way that this team is playing. And to kind of talk about their most surprising, to compare – what we were saying with the Houston Texans to this Jags team, Travis Etienne is making making things work these past couple of weeks without an offensive line. Trevor Lawrence has taken 16 sacks. This offensive line has been banged up, not good in general, even when they yeah. are healthy. Ben Barch got benched. Anton Harrison, the rookie, has been struggling, as rookie offensive tackles do. Yeah, it was expected. Cam Robinson was suspended. But Travis Etienne is going on three straight games with two touchdowns a couple of big rushing numbers in those uh, past three games. He's making it work. And I think he's by far been one of the most impressive pieces of this offense, especially since he's never really been expected to be that impressive. I think every year he surprises me. I think he's always supposed to be good. He's supposed to be a solid companion to a good passing offense. And then he consistently steals the show every year, and I love that about him. I think that's an awesome piece to have. Just, I need Trevor Lawrence to do the same thing. Steal some games away from Travis Etienne. And I needed that to happen more consistently. Um, <clears throat> talking about this team, uh, disappointing-wise, though, their pass rush has kind of been a little lackluster. Josh Allen um, has seven sacks on the season, but he also only has uh, 16 total tack- solo tackles. Yeah, Walker really hasn't taken that next step. Um, a guy that I've always had a lot of faith in who just consistently disappoints every year, Caleb Von Chason, has not taken that next step. There's issues with this team defensively that are going to, for me, kill those Super Bowl hopes that I think you have. I think that for one of the best teams in the league, you need a consistent pass rush. I don't yeah. think they get that consistent pass rush. Enough. I agree. 
And I think for them to be able to do that, they need to find that pairing to Josh Allen. I don't know who that is right now. Right now, it's just one of the miscellaneous inside D tackles that randomly step up. Like, it's a Robertson Harris. It's a Fatukasi. Mm-hmm. It's a, last week it was Angelo Blackson, our old friend. I uh, mean, if you look at the rest of this defense, one of my most surprising players in the league, I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league. I love him. Foye said Olakun. Oh, he's a beast. He's top three middle linebacker he's in the league beast. so far this season. He he is that secondary rush for Josh Allen. He gets most of the run stuff. He's fantastic. He, he's basically a six D lineman whenever he's out there. A fifth he's D lineman. so fast. He's so smart. He's so good. It's it's fun to watch him. And when when that's your that's your second best player on this defense, and there's nobody even close to that. Yeah. You're not winning games. You're not going to win big games. No. Consistently, at least, you're not going to win big games consistently. We'll see what happens with this Jags team as the season goes on. There's a lot of potential with them, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. All right, folks, we are going to close it out for this week. We hope you enjoyed. If you missed any part of the show, be sure to tune in on Spotify right after this. We'll get it up there. Um, on Instagram, be sure to check out the food battle post from last week. I'll make sure to repost this so it pops up on your guys' feed for you. Uh, look on that. Comment which one you think will win. It's a battle between Florida teams. We've got a Cubano going up, going up against a Key Lime Pie. So let us know which one you would think would win. Tag three friends and repost the post on your story, and you have a shot to win 20 bucks at next week's show. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Again, check us out on Spotify at Blue Jay Boys Show, and we'll see you guys next week. Everyone have a good night. Thanks for listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show. You can find us on Spotify, TikTok, and Instagram.